welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 64, part two of Mary Burns' teaching on mercy, God's greatest attribute. And my favourite one, I suppose, is the Good Samaritan. I just love this story. And again, this day last week, it reminds me of something that happened to me this day last week. I was in Dublin again, and there was one young guy of about 16 lying on the side of the street, and I was going up to Marks and Spencer's, and he looked like he was asleep, and I thought, I'll stop and talk on the way down. And when I came down, he was still asleep and he had the old mug on the ground near him. And I said hello, but he didn't move. He really reminded me of the guy that was mugged on the road to Jericho, just lying there, you know. And I said hello to him again, but there was no reply. And I put something in the cup and then I pushed it in near him because I thought somebody will come and take it. And when he wakes up, you know, there'll be nothing there. But in this story of the Good Samaritan, you know, um, like the Good Samaritan stops when the other two pass by, Jesus will always stop. He'll always stop. And, um, you know, he pours out oil and wine into the wounds of the man lying there. And that would have been temple worship language where oil and wine would have been poured on the altar of the temple. And Jesus is saying something so deep and important here that the good Samaritan was pouring the oil and wine not on the altar of the temple, but on the altar of a dying man's life and wounds. And he's telling us at the end of that, now go you and do likewise. Go you and do likewise. And Martin Luther King said that the priest and the Levite who passed by, what they were thinking was, if we stop, what will happen to us? But the good Samaritan was thinking, if I don't stop, what will happen to the guy on the street? There is huge power in God's mercy, absolutely huge power in his mercy. And he's asking us to let it flow through us out to others. I don't think any of us are adequately convinced of the mercy of God, that we really know it deep within, that we're really not adequately convinced, you know. And divine mercy doesn't fit into the parameters of human thought. It just doesn't. And God has made us both sharers in and dispensers of his mercy. And his mercy is coming down from heaven, just like his salvation, his grace, his healing. It's flowing down, pure, free gift. And we need to open up to receive it and let it flow through us because we can let it fall to the ground. We need to reach out and grab it. Probably the very worst response to God's mercy would be presumption. 
that, you know, we could presume, oh, I'll do anything I like and God will be merciful. He will, I'm sure. But if we're sincere followers of Jesus, the law of God abides and we try to keep to that. For example, we do seek first the kingdom and believe that everything else will be added unto us. The very best response comes from the Beatitudes, how blessed, and blessed apparently means blissfully happy, how blessed are the merciful, for they shall have mercy shown them. As we let the mercy of God flow through us to others, to that extent that we show it, will it be given to us when we need it as well? And you know, I think that... um, This is just my own thought. I always feel we're closest to God when we're giving mercy to people, that we're very close. And insofar as we love and practice compassion and mercy steadfastly, so I think do we resemble the creator who practices it ceaselessly in us. And John Paul II in Dives and Misericordiae says that Christians today show themselves to be true followers of Jesus by the witness of their mercy, by the witness of their mercy. So we are called as Christians to excel in mercy so that, as was mentioned, I think, earlier today, others will look at us and say, These Christians have something. See how they love one another. And you know, sometimes if we're trying to look after the poor, sometimes people can be manipulative. Sometimes people are not going to say thanks. But it doesn't matter because Jesus says, if you give to only those who say thanks, don't even the Gentiles do that. His word calls us to be loving and merciful and kind to those who have nothing to those who are not in the world, to really reach out and let his mercy flow through, let his love flow through. Pope Francis um, speaks a lot about looking after the poor and showing our mercy to the poor. He says, you know, that God's first mercy is shown to the poor. And this divine preference really has to have an effect on us because if God's first mercy is to the poor, then we who are to have the mind of Christ in us, that we who are to have the same attitude as Christ, Philippians 2 and 6, we really have to take this to heart. And I love the story, maybe I'm trying to think, have I ever told it in Birmingham before, but it just comes to mind now. Sister Linda Kuntz tells this story, and I think it's just so touching. She said she was at a retreat somewhere, and in her spirit, as the singing and praise was going on, she felt that God was saying to her, I have something against you. And she stopped, and she said, is that you, Lord? And it didn't go away. So she went off into a quiet corner for herself. And she said, Lord, if this is you, tell me. And straight into her mind came Proverbs 21, 13. If you ignore the cries of the poor, you yourself will cry out and your cry will not be heard. And she was smitten to the heart. She said it was like somebody 
drove a dagger into her heart. She said, I don't even know who your poor are, Lord. I want to do what you want me to say. Give me a new heart. Do a heart transplant in me. And a few days later, a letter came in the post inviting her out to, I think it was Juarez in, in Mexico. Um, and she saw that Sister Bridge McKenna was going as well, that her name was on the list. Uh, to look after the poor out there and she went and she said she found herself sitting on the side of a dump a sort of a hill a mound and she said the heat was absolutely killing the smell the people scrabbling for food and she said she was clutching her return ticket in her pocket and saying you know when I can get out of here you know she just wasn't able to stand the heat when a woman went up to the microphone and she had to have it translated. And the woman spoke very excitedly and started pointing over to where Sister Breege and um, Sister herself, Linda, were sitting. And she thought she was pointing at Sister Breege because Sister Breege was so well known. But when she had the translation, this was what it was. The woman was saying, this was in August, I think, and the previous February, this woman said she was lying in her hut with nothing to eat, very, very ill, nobody to look after her. She knew she was dying and she cried out to Jesus. And she said, Jesus came through the door of her hut. And she said, and behind her was that nun over there. And um, Sister Linda said she knew, she had had her word from the Lord that she was going to stay. But isn't it amazing how far ahead of us God is, you know, and how he can bring one person from so far away and just, as I said at the beginning, weave these circumstances into a tapestry of divine love. It's just wonderful. And Pope Francis says he wants a church that is poor for the poor. So that if, and he wants the, the church doors to be open wide so that if somebody comes along looking for God, that they don't find the church doors closed against them. Now, I know that's not always practical, but again, me being me and probably being fanciful, as I was walking down to my station to Connolly the other day um, and looking at the pro-cathedral right in the middle of the drug scene, I thought, gee, I'm going to ring somebody up there and see if that church could be opened, especially in winter, maybe to begin with one night a month, you know, and have people to come and help. I know it would be difficult. I know there would be drug needles. I know there would be all. But gosh, wouldn't it be just wonderful, you know? Wouldn't it be wonderful? I just really hope I can think of somebody, well, Father Pat, who has a bit of clout in Dublin and they could put in, you know, that I just think it's so, so important. And Pope Francis also says that the doors of the sacraments should not be closed for just any reason to people, not simply for any reason, especially baptism. And he reminds us that the Eucharist is not a prize for the perfect. It's a strong, powerful medicine for the weak and the needy. And sometimes we forget that. And as we heard, I think, at the homily last night, <clears throat> he also said that he likes a church that is bruised, hurting, and dirty from being out on the streets rather than a church that is unhealthy from being confined and being, you know, too concerned with its own security. And I really think we need to listen to what he's saying. 
We really need to listen to what he's saying. And he tells us, go out and bring out the life of Jesus to others. And I'll be talking about this later, but just a quick mention. A work of God's mercy was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in 67 and before that in the other churches. It was a work of God's mercy which brought people into a personal, experiential knowledge of Jesus and drew away the veil and let them see what God had done in Jesus for the salvation of the world. But more about that again. Coming back just briefly to the prodigal son, when I was rereading it there recently, this struck me about it. Um, what came to mind was, you remember when God met um, up with Cain and he said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Abel, I always think quite cheekily, or Cain rather, quite cheekily replied, am I my brother's keeper? And again, the Lord said, yes, we are our brother's keeper. Pope Francis says exactly the same thing. You are your brother's keeper. And there was a story in the papers at the time of the Vietnam War about a guy missing in action. And his family could get absolutely no word of him through official channels or anywhere else. And um, his elder brother, this is a true story that was in the papers, his elder brother, at great risk to himself, went out to a dangerous situation on the battlefields and in the jungles, searching for his younger brother. And the troops on either side knew, heard his story, and he was not harmed, and they used to call him the brother. Well, in the story of the prodigal son, Jesus doesn't put a true elder brother in, the, in that picture. He puts really, I suppose you could say, a Pharisee for an elder brother. Because if he'd been a true elder brother, he would have said to his father, I know my younger brother has blown his inheritance and made a total fool of himself, but I will go and I'll bring him back at my own expense and I'll bring him back home and into the family. He was not a true elder brother. But we have a true elder brother in Jesus. He didn't just come from the next country. He came from heaven to earth. And at the cost of his own life, at such amazing pain and cost, he brought us back into the only place that our hearts will ever find rest, into the home of the Father. That's mercy. That is mercy and love poured out in absolute abundance. Poured out. I'm going to finish in a few minutes. I'm going to tell you a little story before I do. And it's about, um, I don't know if any of you know, Father Larry Richards tells this story about um, a guy whom he knew when he was young, and again, he was a very angry guy, and he ended up in prison. But before that, he um, was into drugs, gambling, drink, playing cards, all the rest of it for money. And he would get very uptight. He'd blow a fuse for no reason. He got a young girl pregnant, got married, and she was about eight months pregnant. And he was out playing cards one night. And he was losing. 
and his mind was a little bit mixed up because of all the booze and drugs and he thought they were cheating on him and his house was just around the corner so he went home to get a gun. He intended to shoot them. And when his wife saw him taking the gun from the press in the bedroom, she tried to stop him. The gun went off and she was killed and the baby was killed obviously as well and he ended up in Rockville Penitentiary. I think that's in Pennsylvania, I'm not sure. And um, anyway, a priest went to visit him there. And like the earlier story I told you, very angry. He didn't want to know, but the priest persisted and brought in the word of God. And eventually he began to open up. And eventually he began to change. And he was, became such a model prisoner. And you could see that it was a genuine change, that the Lord had touched him in his mercy and love. His sentence was commuted and he is now Brother James Townsend, OFM. The Lord can take any circumstance. His mercy is from age to age. His mercies are new every day. He can bring from the ends of the earth. If I need somebody to speak a particular word to me, he can bring that person from the ends of the earth. So just to finish, I'd just like to say that, you know, we live in merciless times. You know, when you see what's going on in the news, maybe it always went on, but we just didn't have tellies and all the rest of it. But, you know, I was just looking at the news the other evening and when I saw those poor people at Calais and they were being sort of chased down to bring them back like animals, you know, because they were looking for a home. They were looking for somewhere to go, you know. Four million people displaced from Syria. We see abortion, euthanasia, just, you know, there's, there seems to be no end to it, no end at all. So God is calling us as Christians to band together, and I'll be talking about unity on Thursday, to be one, as Father Pat said this morning, to be one body and to let his mercy and his love flow out through us to those who are really in need, to those who are in need. And you know, at the chapter 16, I think it is, of Mark's gospel, where the women get up early in the morning and they take their oils and their perfumes and their spices and they go out to anoint the body of Jesus. And when they get there, of course, the stone is rolled away. We are being invited by Jesus. And as I'm saying this now, I can tell you that I can feel this coming right up from the soles of my feet. We are being invited by Jesus to anoint the hurting, broken, bruised body of Christ with the oils and spices of our love, our prayer, our mercy, our laying down of our lives for them. Because you know, we've only got one life and it's very short. And I certainly don't want to come to the last moment of my life and say, Mary, you know, you're too fond of your own comfort. Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you allow the mercy of God flow out to you? And mercy does not judge because we cannot for a moment know what has led a person to be in the situation they are. So we don't judge. Final story, I promise I'm coming in for a landing now. <laughs> and this you probably know because um, I'm sure you'll have read it. If you've read Philip Yancey, you will have read this. And um, 
if the music were there, I would be asking them to play Amazing Grace after this again. But um, it was at a concert in England, in Wembley Stadium, um, where there were thousands of young people, a rock concert, Guns N' Roses playing and all the rest of it. And they were high on booze and drugs and there were beer cans flying and all the rest of it. And it had come to the end of the day. And nobody knows why the organisers had asked Jessie Norman, a beautiful African-American lady uh, with a wonderful voice to sing Amazing Grace at the end. And she walked out onto the stage, no, nothing but her own voice, a cappella, and she started to sing Amazing Grace. And for the first verse, there were beer cans flying, there were obscenities being hurled at her, there were shouts for more guns and roses. But then gradually everything began to become calm and quiet. And by the third verse, those who could remember bits of the song were joining in with her. And a peace and a stillness came down on all those young people. And she said it was just amazing. It was amazing grace. God was pouring out his love, his stillness, his presence, his blessing, his mercy and his grace on the young people who were gathered in Wembley Stadium. Mercy is God's love let loose in the world, stronger than sin, stronger than evil, stronger than death. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximise your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.